The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Hey, everybody, this is Gene Marks. Welcome back and welcome to the Hartford Small Biz Ahead podcast. I'm here, of course, with my co-host, John Adaconis. John, hello to you. Hey, Gene. How's it going? We are, we're, we're doing well. And John, we've got a, a, like a, a full-packed segment here that we want to talk about. Obviously, this is very, very relevant stuff. Uh, we have uh, Kavita Trivedi uh, joining us. First of all, is it Dr. Trivedi? Kavita? Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to call you Kavita if that's okay with you. But just want to be official that it's Dr. Trivedi. Kavita is the president of, of Trivedi Consults, her own consulting firm. She's an attending physician at the San Francisco Veterans Hospital and a consultant for world for the World Health Organization. Kavita is an epidemiologist, which I think seems to be a position very much in demand in 2020. Um, Kavita, thank you very, very much for joining us. If I can ask you just how long have you been practicing? Yeah, so I've been practicing as a physician uh, for 17 years, and um, I have been in public health for the last 13 years, and my consulting business has um, existed for the past six years. So I have a quite a bit, bit of experience in, in uh, both public health as well as epidemiology and certainly infection control, which is, of course, the topic of the day at the moment. Yes, it is. And here's my second question. You wear a mask, right? Absolutely. Yes, I do. <laughs> So, and before we actually get to the particulars of running a small business, I just, I got to ask you a question about the mask. What are your recommendations for, I, my wife and I have been through like 15 different types of masks, the cloth ones, the disposable ones, you know, so far my favorite one is made by, by the Haynes Corporation, but I, I feel kind of weird wearing a mask that's made by the same company that makes my underwear. Mm-hmm. So is there like a... You know, do you have any recommendations for people when you're when when they're buying masks? Let me just explain the science here for a second, too. You sure. know, we recommend face coverings. I call them face coverings and not masks just because the community is wearing them and they can look very different from one another. They can, you know, wrap around your ears as opposed to um, have straps all the way you know, on the back of your head. And what we're trying to do with the face coverings is we are trying to decrease the amount of virus in the environment. So um, uh, the, what, what happens with this virus and, and many other viruses is that um, people cough or they talk and the virus travels in droplets, respiratory droplets, um, both in your mouth and out of your nose. And then when they get into the environment, they can evaporate. And when they evaporate, they become smaller. And when they're smaller, they stay in the environment for longer. Whereas if they're on these larger droplets, they drop. So that's the reason we ask people to wear face coverings. Um, you know, I think early on in this outbreak, we we are this pandemic, we asked people to really just wear them indoors. But now we are also um, recommending them outdoors uh, just for this Exact reason, because you're trying to decrease the amount of virus in the environment that, you know, people are in. And then in terms of which face mask or which which face covering, honestly, it really is whatever face covering you can keep on for the duration that you are outside or inside a small space. So it doesn't really matter what 
type of mask you're wearing, as long as you're covering your nose and your and your mouth, you know, it's not helpful to keep moving the mask around your face. You know, we have a lot of people that move it down off their chin. I do think that there's some difficulties when we talk about eating and drinking um, because you obviously have to move the, the face covering for that. But, you know, generally, you really shouldn't be touching the mask. You don't want to be touching the mask at all. So really, whatever face covering is is good for your face. You know, everyone's ears and head shapes and <laughs> the distance between their, you know, their mouth and their chin is different. Different. So I would recommend people buying a few different ones and seeing which one they can keep on their face for the longest period of time without touching it is the mask that I recommend for each person. Perfect. Okay. So let's turn to business now, right? So, so Kavita, so our, our audience are small business owners. Um, you know, people are trying to reopen their businesses. Uh, people already have businesses that are open, but they're trying to operate them safely. Um, as you know, the information out there, uh, sometimes it's inconsistent, sometimes we're hearing conflicting information. Um, and, I, and, and both John and I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk as an epidemiologist, somebody who does this for a living. You know, put yourself in, in, in the shoes of a small business owner. Tell us everything we need to do to run our businesses as safely and, and, and healthily as possible. Sure. So, um, you know, I'm going to cover three different topics that are that are important for people to consider and think about. Um, one is the buildings that these small businesses are in. You know, I have a lot of clients whose businesses are in buildings where there are multiple businesses um, or there are you know, landlords, and it's important to understand the facility in which your business is operating. So you want to understand, you know, what the screening protocol is for coming into the building. You want to understand um, uh, what the ventilation and, you know, uh, filtration or the HVAC system is in the building, what uh, precautions the building, um, you know, the, the landlords are taking in terms of, uh, you know, ensuring, for example, that that in the bathrooms, windows are left open and trash cans are in the right place, that hand sanitizers are all over the building and that are adequate and that are filled. And then, of course, you want to learn about cleaning and disinfection. You want to understand you know, what, what, um, what cleaning and disinfection products are being used? Are they active against the coronavirus? And, um, you know, how frequently, um, the building is being cleaned and dis disinfected. So, you know, there, I think there are a lot of questions to sit down and talk uh, with the landlords about about infection prevention and cleaning and disinfection and ventilation. The other thing in terms of buildings that we are um, advocating for is, you know, making sure that our office layouts are appropriate for this new normal that we're in right now. So, you know, I mentioned already the face covering is very, very important in any outdoor environment. But then the other thing we talk of indoor environment, but then the other thing we talk about are um, barrier controls. So we're talking about plexiglass um, and uh, face shields. So a way that the virus, if it is in the environment, a way that the virus, it doesn't move around the environment. So, you know, talking with um, uh, your uh, landlord about if if that is a possibility to, uh, you know, insert plexiglass in specific, specific areas of your um, a small business. I think that's that's really important. So, yeah, the first topic 
I would address, or, or not just the first, but one of the topics I think that is important to address is the issue of the of uh, building um, maintenance and cleaning and disinfection. The second topic I would say is important for small business owners to consider are um, how they can make customers, clients, visitors feel safe. Right. So um, we want I really like when I go to a small business, any any business in, in, in my community, I really like that they are saying that they are, um, you know, adhering to safety protocols and policies. And I that I see um, their employees wearing face coverings and maintaining distance and all of those things. So I think it's important for us to, you know, uh, show our clients that we understand the virus and that we are um, humbled by the virus and uh, we are doing the best we can in terms of keeping them safe and our visitors safe. So the, the kinds of things I'm talking about here are screening protocols, right? So you really don't want your employees or your staff or clients and visitors to come into your business if they are having any symptoms consistent with um, COVID-19. So, um, you know, that is important. And, and I think, you know, uh, making sure that that everybody understands that that this is not going to penalize them from coming into work um, or from, you know, uh, coming and having an interaction with you face to face. Um, and then, you know, considering how much of this can be done virtually is certainly, um, you know, a new era that we're all in. And, you know, whether or not we should continue that um, and whether or not you can continue that, I think, is something to also consider. So, you know, really thinking through how to make your clients, customers, employees, staff feel safe in this environment, I think is extremely important and, and really believing in your sick leave policy and believing in your screening protocols so that people are not exposed to um, one another in the workplace. Uh, you know, I'll emphasize is you do not want to be the small business and the story in your local newspaper about an outbreak of COVID-19, right? We, we don't want that to happen. Uh, but even more importantly, you really want your, your staff and your employees to know that you're looking out for their best interest um, and their family's best interest. You know, I will note that, you know, just because you are interacting with others in the workplace um, doesn't mean that you're just exposed to them. You're actually exposed to everyone else they are exposed to. So this concept of us and who is us in this context is really broad, right? It's not just the people that you interact with in the workplace and just the to say 10 of you, it is actually all the family members and all the households of all those 10 people that are being exposed to one another. And, you know, the growth of this virus is not linear, it's exponential. So one person can potentially, you know, infect multiple people. And out of those people, many people may be okay with the virus, but there may be one elderly individual, one person with an underlying health condition who has a bad outcome. And, and that's what we're trying to prevent. This podcast is brought to you by The Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, The Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers with property, liability, and workers' compensation insurance. Check out The Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com. Okay, so first thing I talked about is facilities. Second was clients and, and really employees. And the third thing is implementation. So, you know, we can have all the safety policies and all the protocols we want. And when people actually, you know, 
when they wear the mask or the face covering, they put it on their chin. Or when they're when they get into the office, they don't wash their hands. Or you know, when you're having lunch with someone, you'd like to interact the way you did before coronavirus, and so you sit close to each other and you don't have face coverings on, right? So implementation is extremely, extremely important. It's, it's an area that I focus on with my clients. How do you get people to do the right thing, right? I mean, the the, the classic. The classic case for us at epidemiology is hand washing. We've been talking about hand washing since the 1930s, right? We've been talking to people about, please wash your hands after interaction on the public transportation or after interaction with other people. And just now you're really seeing people start washing their hands. I traveled back from uh, Geneva early in March, right when this started and in the U.S. And I was really impressed to see people in the airport washing their hands so diligently. I'd never, ever seen that. And I'm always looking for it because I, I am an epidemiologist and we, we try to get people to uh, be conscious of their hand hygiene. So, um, so I, I do believe people are conscious of this, this sort of thing right now. It's, it's, it's the problem of trying to get them to continue to do it, right? Trying to get them to continue to do it, continue to be diligent, continue to wash their hands effectively, continue to weigh their face covering. You know, it, it's um, it's trying to get people to continue to do these things long term, because unfortunately, I do think we are probably going to end up with these behavior changes uh, for the longer term. So in terms of implementation, I recommend things like um, before you decide to reopen and you're coming back to the office, have a day where everybody at home wears a face covering all day, um, you know, and they conduct their business with a face covering on and they practice to see what that's like. Maybe they realize after a few hours they don't like that face covering. Uh, maybe they realize that they're not wearing it the way that is most effective for them. So, you know, those types of exercises before they come to the office where the stakes are, of course, higher um, are highly recommended in terms of implementation. Also um, recommend telling employees and staff and, of course, visitors and customers what you expect of them before they come to the office or before they come to the business. Right. So you want your employees and staff to understand this is what we are recommending. These are the policies we'd like you to implement. And, and this is what we expect. And then also having somebody in the office feel comfortable saying, hey, you know, you're not wearing your face mask. You need to make sure to wear it and 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 have that be openly known that that will happen um, in order for everyone to feel safe. Because I, I, I do feel as though we all have to understand that we're in this together as a community, as a workplace, as all these households. And, you know, we're, we're, we're simply trying to trying to protect one another. So. Um, so, yeah. So facilities, um, client interaction, customer interaction and then finally implementation. That's great. And Kavita, I just, um, I, I, we had a problem with the recording. Can you start on this from the very beginning? I'm just kidding. No. Not at all. We didn't have any problems. That was, a, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great explanation and really, really great content. John, I know you've got, you've got some questions. Go ahead. Yeah. So Kavita, I think, you know, and it, it kind of starts with the notion of a mask, right? So I think that there's so many people who look at the mask as, um, or the face covering is a symbol of protecting themselves. But just to kind of, you know, validate it with someone who, who knows this, it's really so we're protecting others, right? So wearing a face covering isn't about me, John. It's about me, John, not giving the virus to you, Kavita, or limiting the amount of spread I could contribute to, to potentially giving it to you. Right. As you know, the public health um, messaging around face covering has really changed during the pandemic, um, which it has changed because the science is changing, right? So the beginning you heard, 
no one wear a face mask, leave them for the healthcare providers. Then as we moved along, we oh no, wait, everyone needs to wear a face mask, especially indoors. And and then we have the politicization around it, right? So so yeah, the 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 now currently the thought has evolved even further where you know, in the middle of the pandemic, we definitely said, wear the face mask to protect other people from your droplet. So if you are sick, and remember, um, with this virus, you could be asymptomatic, right? You can have the right. virus, not know you have the virus. And, um, you know, when you talk, when you cough, you know, clear your throat, you're actually emitting droplets into the environment. So, so yes, that is a reason to wear the face mask. However, now we are finding that if you wear a face mask, you, John, wear a face mask and you do not have the virus, right? Um, and other people around you are wearing a face mask and or not wearing a face mask and they have the virus, you will potentially have a less severe course of disease if you are exposed to the virus. So people that wear face coverings themselves have a lower inoculum of virus. That's a lower viral load. And gotcha. therefore, when they, if they get the virus, it most likely will be asymptomatic or just a very mild case. So, so there actually are two reasons to wear the mask. You want to protect others from your droplets, but you also want to help alleviate symptoms in yourself if you were exposed to the virus from somebody else. And that's really interesting because I do remember in the very beginning of, of, I shouldn't say the beginning of, of when it became really pandemic um, kind of status in the U.S., right? So back in March where they were seeing some of those instances where healthcare workers were more likely to, to have more severe cases. So so there is kind of a correlation between the amount of exposure and the severity of the case, it, it sounds like, or potentially, yes. you know, so, so anything any of us can do to not eliminate, but to mitigate could potentially result in either a, a more positive outcome for us as an individual or our communities, which if we can get ourselves there is, is ultimately the best thing for the economy because then people can be a little bit more comfortable and one, the right things to do, but also engage in commerce because they have the right protocols in place. So it's, it's not really this A or B do we focus on health or economic challenge. Like we kind of have to address both together to, to get through this. Right. And I, you know, if I may, since I'm a doctor, I like to talk about, we talk about sex. And one of the things that we talk about is this, when HIV started, when we, when we started, you know, seeing HIV, we weren't telling people stop having sex. We were saying just use a condom, right? right. So it, it, this is very similar, actually, where we're saying, we're not telling you not to interact. We're not, we're actually not telling people to do that. We're not telling people to stop working. We're not telling people to, you know, stop engaging in their livelihoods. We're just asking them, can you do it with a face covering, which certainly is different from last year, right? Certainly different from the way we interact in 2019. But it is a very low budget thing for people to do that can get everyone back to work and feeling safe around one another. Um, and again, you're protecting that one person in your larger group who happens to have an underlying health condition, who, you know, takes care of an elderly parent. I mean, those are the people that we're the most concerned about. I'm not saying that young people can't get this as well. They can, but we are very, very concerned about those people in our circles and, and, and wearing the face covering is a very cheap way for us to get back to work and um, help protect one another at the same time. David, I have a, uh, just like a two-part question for you. The first is that, I mean, listen, you're, you're an epidemiologist. You studied this for years. I'm sure you study, you've studied the history of pandemics like this, and clearly there have been many in the past. Uh, I mean, back in 1918, people were wearing face masks. What You said that the science was kind of slow. We've been through different iterations since, since the coronavirus has been spreading. 
So question number one is, why do you think it took so long for the medical community to to tell us what to do with face masks? Like, why wasn't it just from day one, guys, here's the playbook, everybody's got to be wearing a face mask right away because we've got thousands of years of history that tells us that. And then my second part to the question is actually more relevant to business owners now, which is if I'm a business owner and I want to buy face masks for my, for my employees um, or help them procure them, what specific face mask, you know, what, what are the do's and the don'ts of face masks, you know, N95, you know, handkerchiefs, you know, but anyway, let me ask you to just tackle the first part first. Yeah, I mean, I think early on in the pandemic, um, we were very concerned about healthcare workers. You know, when there are aerosol generating procedures, that is where an extreme amount of viral load is in the environment. So still, our healthcare workers are the ones that are at most risk. Um, even even to this day. Um, so I think early on, because the supply was limited, that's why we heard don't wear face masks in the in the community. You know, now um, and and I think that was different from 1918 because, you know, we didn't have N95s back then. And, you know, I think the concern was if everybody wears an N95 in the community, then we're not going to have enough for, for our healthcare workers who are the ones that need to be wearing those N95s, right? So, right. so I think that was what was the concern in, in early on. And then I think, you know, um, science is science, science where things are changing. And, uh, you know, what's relevant three months ago or certainly what's relevant in a different country is not necessarily relevant here in the United States in 2020, I mean, in 2020. Um, so we, we need to see cases and case studies of what works in our situation so it's relevant to our current you know practices um so we have seen that now and we we can say that people are protected when they wear the face mask and we also can say that you know you're you're protecting your community when you wear face covering so my favorite um story thus far is i'm sure you all read read this in the paper about a month ago about the two hairstylists in missouri so the two hairstylists in Missouri who actually did have COVID and didn't know it yet um, were uh, cutting people's hair. They ended up cutting 140 clients' hair. So, you know, as you all know, when you cut someone's hair, you are obviously in close contact with them. Right. However, in this situation, the hairstylists all wore face coverings and they asked all of their um, customers to wear, wear face coverings as well. So in this situation, everybody was wearing a face covering, right? Nobody got the virus of any of those clients. And and my my understanding from the paper that was published just a couple of weeks ago is that um, uh, everyone was, you know, within this close contact, less than obviously less than six feet of distance for for greater than 30 minutes. So so uh, and what's interesting about that is none of those 140 patients got or cases, people got the virus. But in one of the homes of the hairstylist where the hairstylist did not wear a face covering, the whole family got it. So what's, what, what these studies are just showing us that if we adhere to face coverings now in this age with this particular virus, we can limit the spread. And so I think those situations, Gene, are, are really, um, really helpful with us 
um, kind of promoting the, the use of face coverings, because obviously it's, it's not part of our, you know, current culture. So, you know, I think once those, once those cases were more elucidated, I think people felt more comfortable saying, Hey, we really know that this is protecting you and protecting others. So we'd really, you know, really recommend you all wearing face coverings. And, and unfortunately for many people, the science is going to continue to change. So our recommendations will continue to change. Um, and then in terms of your second question, oh wait, what was about business, right? Yeah, um, it was just about, uh, and really you said, you, I got the message that we should be wearing, you know, face coverings and obviously that, that makes sense. So, so just, just bottom line, oh, what should we buy? What do we get for our employees and for ourselves? Yeah. Um, so I'm not a big fan of the bandanas only because I don't think that they actually can stay on your face for very long. Um, there are a number of companies out there that have various um, two ply, you know, cloth face face coverings. Um, I, I would say if I were a small business, I would ask um, there and I am I, I guess I am a small business. I just I'm all remote, but I would recommend that people buy various face coverings and offer their their employees a, a number of different face coverings to see which one works the best for them. And then I also would suggest having three face coverings at the, I think at the minimum. Um, you know, we would we are recommending uh, folks wear them all day and then launder them at night. So if you have three, you can rotate through. That's an easy way to just do laundry every you know every couple of days. So you know at least three face coverings per individual. We even have some small businesses that that have a face covering for every day of the week. So there's a separate one. Um, but, you know, I do not like any face coverings with exhalation valves. I do not recommend the N95s for community mask wearers. I don't think that we actually need that. And it's actually really kind of uncomfortable to wear the N95s for a long period of time. So I just don't think those are very effective in this situation. So any face coverings that go around your ears that are relatively comfortable to talk in, but, you know, they have that are fitted, you know, they go around your chin that are, you know, flush with your face. Those are the kind of face, face coverings that I would that I would recommend. I think this is all really great information, and I think, you know, I, I could go on for hours because I have questions on things like testing <laughs> and how often should you get tested if you, you know, have the means to, um, because I do think, you know, Kavidi made a really good point is that, you know, you're saying the science is changing. What I want the listeners to kind of get to is like, that doesn't mean it's inaccurate. I think that what we need to be really clear on, right, is that science and, and statistics are, um, they're a numbers game. So you really need the volume and the information to have that kind of like final authority on this is what works. So, um, so I try and explain it almost as evolving, right, as we learn more. Um, but, yeah, I think this has been great. I think, you know, it's 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 confusing and complicated as the past couple months have been. It, it goes back to a couple key things, which I think is keep it clean, right, wash your hands. You know, if you're going to use gloves, use them properly, wear a face covering, um, respect the distance, and, you know, try and limit any kind of unnecessary, you know, physical interaction. So. I don't know. Maybe we could do a follow conversation in a couple of weeks when when things start to change again. Um, yeah. But it's it's been great kind of hearing from you and and just you know reaffirming some things that are out there and giving a little bit of color as to why they work or why we should you know do our best to adhere. Right. And I and I would say just uh, in closing, John, that um, I would recommend people 
find the help of an expert, an epidemiologist or someone else who understands this because the direction coming from our public health departments and various government entities can be confusing and there are various guidelines. It's hard to know what to focus on. So, you know, I would just say try to try to reach out to somebody that you trust, that you know, understand this material to help to help guide you if you have questions, because I, I do think, you know, you don't want to shoot from the hip with this. You want you want to make sure that what you're doing with your, especially in a small business, is sound and makes sense, um, you know, uh, for the moment. And, 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 and absolutely, the science will change. It will continue to change because, you know, there are 4,000 papers published on COVID-19 every week. So um, the science is continually changing and it should change as we learn more about the virus. So, you know, uh, people have to understand, too, that there should be some amount of flexibility with understanding that the science will change. So what we're doing now may be drastically different in a few months. But I still think the pillars of prevention, as you already highlighted, John, are face coverings, physical distancing, um, hand hygiene, and cleaning and disinfection. Those are really our pillars of prevention and, and will likely be, the, be that case, you know, even six months down the line. Uh, Kavita, before we let you go, though, I just, you know, your consulting firm, which is TrevettiConsults.com, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's consults with an S. That is what you do, I'm assuming, correct? I mean, so you you are, I'm assuming, one of a number of growing small consulting firms that are advising businesses, big and small, on best practices for having a healthy environment. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, we're um, we are. Yeah. So I, my my focus is on anim antibiotic stewardship and infection control. And of course, the infection control piece has um, become quite popular in the last three, three, four months. And yeah, so we are helping businesses, organizations, law firms, agencies, I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, youth community centers. And we've had so many different groups reach out and ask for guidance on um, best practices. And yes, that's what me and my team are, are currently doing and, and guiding folks on right now. Yeah. And I would, you know, just as a final word, you know, if you're a small business owner listening to this and you have those concerns, you know, hiring a firm like Ready Consult seems like a very prudent thing to do nowadays, not only um, just because it's the best practice and the right thing to do, but from a liability standpoint, I think it's very helpful to document what you're doing and have outside experts. Uh, and, and, you know, some people might say, well, it might be cost prohibitive, but I would imagine that, you know, you can be joining up with other people in your community, other business owners in your association or in your chamber of commerce and kind of sharing the costs of, of, uh, of, of sharing the knowledge of, of an expert or, or an expert firm to come in and do that kind of consulting. So Kavita, thank you. It's Kavita Trevetti at Trevetti Consults, T-R-I-V-E-D-I consults.com. Uh, great information, and I do agree with you, John. We, we should definitely have Kavita back. So thank you so much, Kavita, for spending your time. Um, for more tips and advice on running your small business, please visit us at www.smallbizahead.com. Great conversation we've had. Lots of more good information coming on the way. Thanks for listening. Thanks.